Welcome to the Making It Happen podcast by The Tech Garden. The Tech Garden is Central New York's premier technology incubator fostering high-tech, high-growth companies in downtown Syracuse, New York, and this podcast explores what it means to be an entrepreneur right here in CNY. If you would like to know more about The Tech Garden, please visit thetechgarden.com or follow us on social media. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm your host, Mia Tomasello, and today we sit down with Jason Gus of Iterate Labs. Iterate Labs is a company founded in Ithaca, New York in 2016 by two grad students out of Cornell University. They produce a smart wearable device that attaches to manual workers' gloves. The device initially focused on providing insights on ergonomics and strains or sprains such as carpal tunnel, and has recently expanded into broader uses such as digitizing worker motions and location for productivity and training. I'm super excited to speak with Jason and learn more about his company since we don't often get to see their team, especially now in the face of coronavirus, since they are a virtual member of the Tech Garden. So sit back and enjoy the show. When did you come about with this idea? Yeah, so it was really my co-founder's idea, Apoorva. Um, He had grown up, he had been exposed to industrial manufacturing environments Um, and between that exposure and honestly us getting work type, getting pain in our hands and wrists, typing up our theses, thesis and, um, being stuck under the fume hood, holding pipettes all day, we kind of realized that there were some ergonomic hazards that really could be avoidable in the workplace. And that was really where the idea, um, initially came out of and, Mm. One of the first resources we used was Rev in Ithaca had a summer hardware accelerator. And we went through that program during the summer, really learned more about our idea, the feasibility of what we were trying to build. And after that, we, you know, at the end of that summer, we applied to eLab, which is the Cornell University uh, student startup accelerator. And we soon got accepted in the fall. So that was kind of the early you know, stages of how the idea and company came together. So did did all of you or a few of you have a personal experience? It seems like you said something about typing for a thesis with, um, what's the word for it? Um, the... I don't, yeah, so I think I misspoke with theses. I'm not sure the plural of that, but writing oh. up like research, research papers in our thesis. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we I, I definitely got many times got wrist pain where I'd have to stop writing for a couple of days or stop using the keyboards. And then right. my background is I did, I did my PhD in like biomechanics and I was in like an orthopedics biomechanics lab at Cornell. So I was exposed a lot to kind of biomechanics and related injuries, um, which kind of helped, you know, when coming up with the whole idea and putting it all together. Mm hmm. Did you know at the time that you wanted to, or a little bit before uh, its founding, did you know that you wanted to uh, be an entrepreneur or own your own business or something like that? Yeah. So honestly, first got exposed to the idea of entrepreneurship while at Cornell. Um, And that's really what allowed me to kind of grow the idea. I took an entrepreneurship for engineers course and honestly just fell in love with the concepts and everything about it and kind of the work hard mentality, but you kind of reap all of the benefits. Um, Beyond that, you know, while doing that, I also went to a few events, met the founder of MadeBot. So I was one of the first engineers at MadeBot 
for a year. I did this in the evenings and weekends while doing my PhD and just, you know, fell more in love with entrepreneurship and the, and the concepts there. And as soon as they moved down to Austin, Texas, um, I started this idea with my co-founder about a week later. So um, kind of ever since that, been doing entrepreneurship nonstop. Wow. Did you have a mentor at any point? Um, I've had a tremendous amount of mentors. A lot of them early on were very much through the Cornell community. Um, so Pam Silverstein has been an amazing advisor and mentor and friend since the beginning, um, as well as Felix Lipinski at He's at Blackstone Launchpad at Cornell. And then Brad Treat, honestly, was another great early mentor. And he was my professor for the Entrepreneurship for Engineers course. And so he's, you know, remained an early advisor to us um, at Iterate since then. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the biggest thing you learned during those early, um, during the early years of the founding? Tough to say. Uh, we're honestly still constantly failing and learning, so to speak. <laughs> I think probably the, the concept of that it's okay to fail as long as you're learning from it. And the idea of, you know, failing fast was some really important concepts. The other idea is, you know, since we have a hardware component to our product, that adds a lot of complexity and concerns and logistics and costs um, associated with, you know, manufacturing that product, making sure it has the appropriate quality, understanding the supply chain and lead time, um, kind of a, a, a ton of considerations. And then the other thing that's always constantly evolving too is really understanding the product market fit and exactly what an MVP is. And it's really tough line to walk, um, uh, between what is feasible, what supports your business model, what makes your customers happy, but not necessarily is, you know, the, the home run for the customers, but just getting them to first base may be enough to be something they'd want to pay for. And everyone has opinions, everyone has questions and answers. And so, you know, it's up to you as the founders and CEO to really try to decipher between all of that, um, so that's one of the things, too, is kind of understanding that everyone has an opinion and every opinion may be right, so to speak. And you as the, mm -hmm. the CEO have to kind of filter through that. I think that's one of the most important jobs you have is filtering through all the great advice you're getting and how to consolidate it. Right. Yeah, that's actually one thing I found from so huge inspiration for this podcast is the NPR, how I built this podcast. And that's one thing I found that's very different between a lot of those founding stories. They were all like almost unintentional, a lot of them. And of course, they're not tech, a lot of the companies that they interview. But a lot of them were just like, well, we didn't expect it to take off. And it was just all accidental. But a lot of startups, everything is very calculated and intentional. And I imagine that's pretty hard to navigate like you said with a lot of incoming advice yeah i think no matter what you plan and expect and hope for it's the reality is often very different but you kind of still need to plan so that you can at least execute better than you wouldn't have without a plan mm -hmm. 
Um, so where, what is the kind of niche uh, for Iterate Labs? What is your um, c- customer base, I guess? So our niche and customer base um, have evolved somewhat. Um, pretty much from day one, we were very um, involved with food processing and meat processing companies. Our initial focus early on in the company was strictly around the use of our product for uh, helping to prevent ergonomic and musculoskeletal injuries. So like carpal tunnel, for instance, and historically food processing and meat processing companies have high rates of that due to the nature of the job. So that was really where we, where we focused. And as we broadened our product offering and really what we can do, we've begun to realize that we have a fit in a broader spectrum. So really looking across the manufacturing spectrum, um, as well as transportation and warehousing. And we've really realized that our platform is not just for ergonomics and safety necessarily, but being able to understand what a worker is doing, um, how well they're performing that task and where they're located all through, you know, collecting their, what we call their biomotion signatures provides a tremendous value to companies on productivity, on operations, on training, on safety. And so, you know, that's something we've stepped into in the past year is how our platform can help companies address all of those concerns. Oh, okay. So people can use the glove and then they can analyze data from it afterwards? Yeah, so we we have a wearable. The wearable attaches to gloves that workers are already wearing. And oh, okay. the wearable essentially digitizes a worker's arm and hand motion. And then we also are able to get location data that's more accurate than GPS. And so when you combine that, when you're getting, you know, the biomotion signature of a worker in terms of the process they're performing and how well they're performing it and their location, that's really where we can use our analytics platform to look at productivity, understanding each individual worker's output, how they're performing an individual task. So you can look at quality of the process. Um, training, you can understand how each worker is progressing in the training progress, what specific aspect they need to work on. And then, you know, last but not least, you can also use this to understand their ergonomics and how they're performing the motion in terms of how safely they're performing it. Mm-hmm. What has the feedback been from uh, customers or I don't know if do you have customers at the moment? Yeah, so we have a few customers to date. Um, you know, we've done pilots and now they've converted to annual contracts. And so uh, early feedback from customers has been very positive. We've also focused on taking a lot of their early feedback and incorporating that into our product on both the wearable side in terms of the the usability of it, but also on the analytics and what information we provide and how we provide it. You know, we're still constantly iterating on it and improving it. And we've recently engaged with a UI UX firm that also helps conduct kind of customer interviews and studies to understand how we can improve the platform, what they may, you know, wish it had and the user interface. And so We've, we've really kind of constantly been improving um, as we grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has, let me think, have you experienced um, 
any critical feedback? Early on, um, there were a few feedbacks in terms of the wearable itself that were, um, I would say, more critical in terms of we used to have like a wrist strap, for, for instance, and that being a method to attach um, was actually very um, restrictive for the worker, especially if they had to wear many layers of gloves. And it could be pretty time consuming in terms of having to put uh, a wrist strap on your non-dominant hand while wearing gloves. And so anytime you're adding to the process of putting on you know, personal protective equipment, you're taking time away from when the workers could be out in the field. And so really taking that into account um, was kind of a, I'd say, I guess a critical piece of feedback from customers. Mm -hmm. What has been the biggest uh, surprise that you've encountered along the way? Uh, that's a really good uh, question. I would say one of the biggest surprises or kind of unplanned surprises is, can be in terms of like the manufacturing supply chain and, you know, ordering through China. Um, in 2019, we kind of got hit with the perfect storm of things for our, one of our uh, orders we'd placed. And uh, the president had just, I think, restricted some travel bans. And so that began to limit some of the supply that we needed for a certain component that was part of our board for our Chinese manufacturer to assemble it. And so then that slowed down the supply chain. And then we got hit with, then it, because that got supplied, then that, because that got delayed, then there was Chinese New Year, which then set it down for another like couple of weeks. And then there was one other thing that happened. I can't remember. There was one other thing that happened coincidentally as a result of that. And then there's just like this perfect storm to delay us, you know, like one and a half to two months of arrival of our of our goods. And so it was just kind of it was surprising, I think, manufacturing, understanding the supply chain and, and fully planning that out. And also, you know, for smaller scale production, the benefit of producing locally um, is really important, too. So I think that was kind of the surprises where imagine your worst case scenario and then we had that like times three <laughs> which was you know, so maybe yeah all at once so maybe you know the lesson is you know plan for the worst but it could be even worse <laughs> mm -hmm. and um yeah speaking of all of that how are you doing now with the coronavirus yeah we're doing good um you know we do have several remote people to begin with so we're pretty skilled at working remotely so I, you know we haven't really seen much of an impact on the productivity side you know some of our early customers are in the manufacturing and meat processing space so they're beginning to feel the impact of um, kind of the coronavirus and experiencing some of them are shutting down some facilities some of them are restricting who can be on site um, so we're seeing some impact on you know the investor side um, Investors are freezing up somewhat. Um, they're still taking meetings, but they're less incentivized to kind of invest in new companies and more to support their current ones. Um, customers are kind of restricting some of their facilities as well as some of their decision making because it's requiring a lot of their effort. Um, 
from safety and operations to deal with this. And then um, on the supply chain side, yeah, we got impacted um, from some product that we're expecting from China too. So kind of, you know, mm-hmm. n- nothing too surprising, but, you know, we're definitely feeling the impact, but we're, you know, quickly adapting to the situation. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, you have employees now? Yeah, so two employees are the two founders, but we have a, a lot of consultants and contractors that we work with that are part-time and have been with us oh, for okay. a while. And essentially, mm-hmm. once we raise our next round of funding, we'll be able to bring those people on full-time as employees. Okay. Is it scary sometimes to be an entrepreneur? I'd say the first couple of years were a lot scarier, especially when you're kind of just relying on yourself. But it's also kind of freeing, so to speak. You're kind of in charge of your own fate to somewhat. Um, Honestly, after the first couple of years, you go through so many ups and downs. And every few weeks, you reach an obstacle where you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Or this is going to have such a big deal. And then you solve for it. And Mm -hmm. it's not as bad as you think. And you're able to survive or come out better on the other side. And once you do that, a lot of times, um, it's not as scary anymore, to be honest. And every time a new big problem presents itself or a challenge, which happens, you know, very often in like a early stage company, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not as frightened, so to speak, anymore, because I know we've accomplished a lot of challenges as a team. We've got smart, motivated people and um, we problem solve. And so you know, there may be the initial like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening or, or how are we going to deal with this? But, you know, so far, looking back, we're, you know, 20 out of 20 or 30 out of 30. Right. So that provides a lot of comfort. Hmm. Uh, so what is next for Iterat Labs? Yeah, so right now um, we have um, several customers that are large customers. Um we are under a confidentiality agreements with them, so I can't disclose them. But um, we, you know, we're completing larger phase two rollouts and contracts with them. And the goal is that upon, you know, early success of those, we'll be able to convert those clients into uh and to begin scaling up into multiple facilities within each of those customers as well as scaling the amount of workers um, that we're monitoring and providing analytics on uh, with our platform. So really, next step is raising our round of funding of two to two and a half million to help us um, scale up on the sales side and scale up on the software analytics side. So get more customers and provide more value to customers as is really what stage we're at. Mm-hmm. And I guess lastly, how has it been um, founding a company in central New York specifically? Do you think it's an advantage or um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, so um, I can't really comment because it's the only place I've ever founded one. So I can't really compare, <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> to speak, but. I mean, being in the Ithaca area, being part of the Cornell community, 
um, I think was by far an advantage. And I don't think we could have been able to do it if we were somewhere else. Um, the mentors and advisors you meet and the, the, the people you have access to that are willing to donate their time, their knowledge, um, and, and sometimes even financial you know, funds and investors has been really amazing. And the entrepreneurship community is really tangible. And, um, you know, we, we leverage pretty much every resource. We, you know, we did this summer incubator that I think gave us 5K. Then we made it into eLab, which gave us a, a little bit of money. Then we were able to secure investment, like I think a year later through our early stage New York seed fund. Um, you know, some of our closest, longest term advisors are from that area. Um, and then kind of you, you name it, like we, we were able to get every resource we needed. And I think being in a smaller area too, you're able to get maybe more attention and focus than you might be if you were, you know, founding a startup in San Francisco, there's probably thousands. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, at least in the Ithaca area, there's probably just as many smart you know, influential people that can help you, but there's maybe a hundredth the amount of startups, right? So I think, or maybe, you know, a smaller fraction. So I think you're able to have more focused efforts and resources to help you. And I think that's really important for an early stage company. And then the tech garden as well has provided, you know, resources um, and funding as well for us. So, um, you know, we've, We've been really grateful for everything we've been able to get. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I lied. Last question. Uh, what keeps you motivated? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I think that's a, a very individual question. Right. So yeah. for me, I am constantly, internally, it's just always kind of, super work hard ethic. Um, how can we turn this into something great? And I think believing that there's something great we can achieve here to like help society, help people, um, make everyone we know proud, I think, and that make our team happy. I think those are things that kind of internally motivated me. Um, I think I'm lucky that I, I kind of just have this kind of internal fire that keeps me going and, you know, throw another challenge in front of us. It's just another one we'll kind of accomplish. Um, so I don't, I don't really have to focus too much on a daily basis. I think having the opportunity to build a company and have the support and resources that we've gotten already feels like, and to work with some of the amazing customers we have, I think already feels like an amazing opportunity. And so, we kind of already have one. So it's like, how, how can we continue on this path? And that, you know, I think that's kind of how some of the ways I look at it, but I don't have an exact concise answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was good. So thank you for um, joining us and uh, taking part in the podcast. Thanks again for listening to the making it happen podcast by the tech garden. If you would like to know more about Iterate Labs, please visit iteratelabs.co. And we'll be back soon with another episode with a different startup. Please subscribe to Keep in the Loop.